Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke, and you're not Wolf. What's going on, Howard? Howard Balzer is here. What's up? Well, you know, it's funny, Luke, because at times when I let my hair grow a little bit long, people have called me the Wolf Man. So they thought I looked like the Wolfman. Right. So maybe maybe I should have made sure to have my hair grown out for whenever I fill in for, for Ron. This is the Wolfman and Luke show today. It's <laughs> <laughs> not quite the Wolf and Luke show. It's the Wolfman and Luke show. Uh, glad you're here because we're going to talk, obviously, a lot of football today. There's obviously a lot of football going on with uh, with everybody descending on the valley for the Super Bowl here and the Cardinals still needing a coach. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander is going to join us in a little bit as well. We're going to talk some ASU, but we got to start with the Phoenix Suns and the game last night, Howard. (sighs) (laughs) What can you say? It's one, okay, put it in the rearview mirror and let's, what is there to talk about? It's a lot more palatable when, even with the loss, you've won six of your last eight. Right. Uh, It's their last home game for a little while. By the time they come back, it'll be February 14th. They will have made trades, I'm sure. It sounds like Devin Booker will be back by then. It sounds like he might be back on Tuesday uh, against Brooklyn. Um, the game last night, like it, it started, Mikel Bridges looked really good, and then by like I don't know the third quarter, you're kind of like this just kind of feels like a throwaway game. Yeah, it really it just felt like a game that's okay next. It, it's sometimes it's befuddling that a team can start okay. You're waiting for Booker. It's getting closer, getting closer, but you're getting some of your pieces back, and you're playing better basketball. And like you said, you're in this you know nice 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 stretch where you're winning some games, and then you just have an absolute stinker. Yeah, I mean it's and. Heck, if you really go back, Luke, you can even go back to last year. Even in the season last year when they won 64 games, there would be some unbelievable stinkers in there every once in a while. Not many, obviously, last season. But it just... it. And I guess, I guess it happens to all teams at one point, maybe. I don't know. But it does seem to happen to this team. And when, when you shoot threes the way they did Ugh, last boy. night, what was it? A 45-point differential. Yeah. On three pointers. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Atlanta shoots what, fifty seven percent? The Suns are what were they? Four for twenty eight. They were fourteen percent. Yeah, four for twenty eight. And and it looked like it. And that's 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 I'm, that's hard to miss that many if you're trying to it, miss. It really is. <laughs> I'm trying to come to terms with and I know that a lot of this is just the NBA now and, and even more so maybe than it was like four years ago. But you have a Suns team that won sixty four games last year, and you have a Suns team that went to the NBA finals the year before, and largely most of the those players are still here. You like to think they're more than just a, well, if they can't hit from three, they lose team. You know what I mean? But I, I guess I have to amend that a little bit, too. If they can't hit anything from three and the other team hits everything from three and you don't have Devin Booker, you're probably going to lose. And then the one thing you worry about, certainly, or maybe maybe not worry, but a certain degree of concern, is that a big part, obviously, of this previous stretch was the play of Chris Paul. And then he comes out last night and is basically disappears. What was he? Oh for five. Yeah. In the first half and ends up with you know, sh- shooting only one for six from the field. So is, so is that again? Is that just one of those? Okay, that's one of those bad ones that are going to happen now and then. But you, 
when when the going really gets rough and the playoffs are there, hopefully not the play-in situation, but whatever it is, and you're in these series when every game obviously means so much, you really have to have, I think, even with Devin Booker, you still have to have Chris Paul at his best. I just want to get back to the, the era of like, a year ago, when if the Suns lost a game, you know, it was close going into the fourth quarter. It wasn't like, well, they're down by 38. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, and I get it. I mean, like you just said, every team has these games. I don't think anybody's going to overreact to one game last night. I would like to see Cam Johnson start hitting shots again. It's only been a couple games, but man, like he was, he was so off in the game, uh, over the earlier this week, but they, they won against Toronto, but they still won the game. And then he was just kind of off again last night. Like I'd I'd like to get him going, but obviously the biggest thing is going to be getting, Devin Booker back. Here's Monty Williams after the game. You hope um, that nights like that you can pull something from it. I think the thing that I pull from it is the amount of energy you have to have to play the way we play and have you know the guys we have out when Chris isn't going and Mikhail's missing shots then it becomes you know a thing because if, if you're missing shots and they're running in transition you expend a lot of energy to get back and they, they made shots. I think they made 10 threes in the first half, and they had points off turnovers tonight. I think they had like 31. So it was just a bad combination for us to try to win a game against a team that um, just lost one. And um, it's just like us, like fighting for wins every night. This is that weird stretch of the season, though, Howard. I remember two years ago, and they played Orlando like the night before the trade deadline, and, and the Suns were, I think, the second best record in the NBA that year. They went to the finals. Orlando was terrible. They lost to Orlando, and then everybody on Orlando got traded the next day. Like, it, you're kind of in this weird spot. And I'm not even saying this is what happened last night, but just be ready for this to potentially happen again here in the next few games where the team feels incomplete. You know, obviously, Jay Crowder's getting traded, Devin Booker's coming back. Cam has looked really good, and then also has had games where he just can't hit a shot. So I don't think anybody would say he's back to being, you know, totally himself. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of a, a team in transition and a lot of these other teams are teams in transition. Atlanta has guys probably playing that will be on a different team in a week. And again, I think to hone in on what Monty Williams said, and how weird is it that we're in a town that one team has a head coach named Monty and another team has a general manager named Monty. We're trying to figure this yeah, out. Trying to figure that out. I'm but, used to call him Monty Monty. <laughs> but now I don't know what to do. But the point about energy, I think sometimes we all forget a little bit of just what a grind a season is. Playing as many games as, as these teams do at the travel and all that. And it's not. A, I know people all oh, don't make excuses for them. They're pros. I, I get that. But it's still to, to play 48 minutes of basketball night after night and with the grind that it is, there's going to be those games where for whatever reason, and sometimes it's not that you don't have a tremendous amount of energy. That's the way it looks because you're looking at the game from the narrow prism of the Suns. But sometimes it's just the other team has more energy. Yeah. And that takes the energy out of you. And then... The result, the results occur, but obviously you better have that energy when, when you get down the stretch and and get into the playoffs. But that that's such a big part of all sports, really. But especially with with the NBA and, and the NHL that play so many games and are playing on an average of every two or three, every two, you know, playing a game every two or three days. Well, that, it's a tremendous grind on some of the some of the greatest athletes in the world, especially when you have a, a performance like Atlanta did last night, where everybody's hitting threes. Like I'm going right. down the roster trying to find guys who didn't hit a three. <laughs> 
And one is Frank Kaminsky. Remember Frank? He played, oh, yeah. He played six minutes. <laughs> Clint Capella doesn't shoot threes. Everybody else hit a three. I mean, Bogdan went off, hit four threes off the bench, had 18 points. I, I still am interested in him depending on how the trade deadline shakes out. Somebody like that that can just give you 18 points off the bench and hit four threes. I mean, depending on the cost or boy on either one of the Bogdanoviches. Um, here's more from Monty talking about how to load manage with Cam Johnson right now. We're trying to, our best to just manage his minutes. You know, it's it's tough on him. It's hard to get a rhythm. Um, there's a, a minute cap that we try to stay um, close to. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it because I think it, it hurts the player, but you have to do it um, to try to build for the long haul. And so there have been games this year where I kind of pushed him a little too much. Tonight was one of those games that we tried. I tried to manage his minutes, and I think I hurt him in that regard. That that injury to Cam Johnson earlier this season really just, just complicated everything, right? Because especially with a guy like him, like if Devin Booker comes back and good luck managing his minutes when he does, but if 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 you try to do that, it's not going to throw him off. But Cam Johnson's still trying to, A, he's a shooter, so he wants to be able to get into a rhythm. He doesn't want to go into a game knowing, okay, I've only got 22 minutes, and five minutes have passed, I haven't gotten a shot, and now i got to hurry up and hit a bunch. Like, that just, that messes with you when you are primarily a shooter. And then you're still talking about a, 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 a not inexperienced player, but a relatively young player in the league that's trying to evolve, too. No, right, exactly. He's the first time in this, quote, starting role. And and so that's been getting accustomed to it and really getting into a rhythm of playing every game when you've missed the number of games that he did. Yeah, he I think we all have this notion sometimes with players in all sports. Oh, they come back from injury, they'll be fine. Well, it it, it takes some time to get, to get back into that. And... The, the, the good thing is the stretch, and the, as, as we pointed out. And what, what's amazing about the West, Luke, do you see how close? I mean, from, from the, the Clippers are now the fourth team in the West, and their record is 29 and 25. The Lakers are 13th, and they're 24 and 28. So there's nine teams there from the Clippers to the Lakers that – then there's three and a half games separating. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's crazy, and who knows how many twists and turns that's going to take in the final you know final stretch of this well, season. It's such a big trade deadline, and yet at the same time, it's probably a lot harder to make trades because everybody thinks they're still in it, except like Houston. Uh, we come back when it comes to the Cardinals' head coaching search. How much of a factor is Kyler Murray? Is he the elephant in the room? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balls are filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the Cardinals head coaching search update, 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 update. All right, Luke Lipinski, Howard Balzer in for Wolf today. Michael Silver tweeted out, I don't know, about half hour, 40 minutes ago said the 49ers are one of the teams that would have interest in Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator if he were to be let out of his Cardinals contract, Howard. That would be weird if the Cardinals who hire a new coach. That in itself feels weird right now if the Cardinals actually hired a coach. But let's, let's just say they actually do. <laughs> well, they will eventually. Will they? <laughs> let's say they hire a coach and it's not Vance Joseph and the new coach has his D.C. brings in and all of a sudden Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator for the 49ers next season. That would be that, odd. That would be. It would be. And especially it would be odd when what the 49ers have been 
is a is a four three team mm-hmm. and one of the best defenses in football, if not the best. And now you're going to bring in a guy who plays a different scheme and have everybody learn that, and where some guys just don't fit. That's something that I don't hear discussed a lot when we talk about all these possibilities, even even for the Cardinals. I mean, suppose, suppose I mean, heck, we've seen it. What 2017? It was a three four, right? And then Steve right. Wilkes comes in in 2018, switches to the four three. three. He's gone after a year. Now it's back that to a three four, four. but it's a different. That's three. why you let Hassan Reddick go. I mean, anytime right. anybody talks about this, the first person I think of is Hassan Reddick because I watched his first three years where he's like, wait, what am I doing? And then next year, what, right. what am I supposed to do? And then the next year, wait, where am I supposed to play? And now he's one of the best defenders in the league. And it takes coaches when they come in and, have, and are evaluating the personnel there a little, a, a, sometimes a bunch of time to find out where guys fit the most. And so with all these names that are thrown out, for the Cardinals, I mean, if they get a coach that wants to come in and, and he's a 4-3 guy as a defense, well, you've just drafted, look at these outside linebackers you've drafted in the last few years that are 3-4 fits. Yeah. They're, they're not fits in a 4-3. So those, those are all the things that should be being, I assume it's being discussed behind closed doors with the Cardinals, but I rarely hear, hear it discussed in terms of all these, all these possibilities in terms of changing schemes and what, how that can set back a team, which brings us to the, the subject with Kyler Murray is if whoever comes in, it looks like they're going to be bringing in a new scheme. And so aside from Kyler Murray's injury, you've got potentially him learning a new offense where he can't even practice it on the field probably until at least October. Yeah, the dynamic here is going to be weird because if you're trying to implement this new culture, which 100% they are going to try to do, you're essentially going to have to implement it and then a few weeks, a couple months later, your quarterback is then going to have to fit in with it, which maybe isn't the worst thing. Maybe that's maybe that ends up working out, but it's just it's unique in the sense that you're bringing in a new coach. They are going to be that guy that you're right. It's going to be a different offensive scheme. It's at least going to be a little bit different from what they were doing. Otherwise, why? <laughs> what are we doing here? If you're not going to change it up at all, it wasn't working last year. But I do wonder how much that factors in. You know, we talked about this yesterday. How much does that did that factor in with Sean Payton? Maybe it didn't. Maybe he always wanted to go to Denver. But maybe he was like, okay, yep. if I go to Arizona. It's kind of next year. It's not like a total throwaway if you're Sean Payton, but it's it's almost like just waiting. Why wouldn't you just wait another year and try and get the Cowboys job or the Chargers job and just work at Fox for a year? Because you're probably not winning anything significant with the Cardinals next year if Kyler Murray really is going to miss the first eight weeks. And, and two things with this, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with the scheme that the Cardinals had. I mean, because that scheme worked pretty darn good when they had all their pieces to it out on the field in previous seasons. But when guys are missing and offensive linemen are out and you're shuffling there all the time, then that scheme is going to break down. And when you have your three top receivers don't play one game together, this which was happened this year with Hopkins, Brown, and, 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 Ro- and Rondale Moore. We're never going to see those three play together. That was maybe one of the not. things yeah. I was most excited about last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the Cardinals were, were excited about. So that's the scheme part of it. I think the elephant in the room is just what you pointed out with do coaches coming in believe that the style of play that Kyler Murray plays is sustainable over time. And so far we've seen it hasn't been sustainable over four seasons because he's been injured has six different injuries, five of them to his legs. And here, here's a quote, Luke, that I just saw the other day from the Bears defensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who was asked about Justin Fields. And, he, and they were talking about the running and all that that he did. And he got hurt during the season. He said, it's got to be a part of who you are. But in the NFL, it's hard for it to be who you are. You just don't last. And yeah. Brandon Bean said about 
Josh Allen this week, who had a career-high rushing attempts this past season and had an elbow injury that affected him for a good part of the season. He said, the only thing I get on him is he's got too many bruises on him, and we've got to work on taking less hits. Look at Lamar Jackson has missed the end of the last two seasons. I don't think there's any question in my mind. I know for a fact. Well, I know with the fact with the Ravens, there was a split in their personnel department about whether to draft Lamar Jackson because there were people split, the injury factor and his accuracy factor. There are coaches that don't think that that's sustainable and they don't want to hitch their wagon to having to win. Does, it, does Brian Callahan, just to throw out one of these names that now that Cardinals are going to be interviewed, he knows that he, when he's going to go somewhere, he's got to, he's got to win pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? Because the history of the NFL is... First-time head coaches don't last very long if the team doesn't turn it around. And is he going to come in and know that, boy, if I'm going to turn around it quickly, is that with Kyler Murray and his style? I, you know, I just came away with from, from Joe, Joe Burrow and all the players around him. And does that, can that style win? In addition to the fact that you can't even work with him for the most part on the field until October. So those, those are the things that I think are a huge question here. And, and, if, very well was a big question in Kyle in, in Sean Payton's mind because people I've talked to tell me that he is not the style of quarterback that Sean Payton wants. Not only the running part of it, but he wants the quarterback to be the CEO of the team and all those things. And can we all sit here and say, yeah, Kyler Murray's the CEO? I don't know. I, I think that was like a big, it, yeah. big factor with Sean. Yeah, Payton. and see that that's that's worrisome to me, and that that's that is more nuanced than than my my concern over the last week. But it, it sort of fits into it. My concern over the last week was if, if he if he chooses Denver because he always wanted to go to Denver or because they're willing to pay him more, or whatever. Okay, that's fine. If he chooses Denver because he looks at Russell Wilson after the season he had last year, where he is in his career and is like, nah, that's easier to work with still than what the Cardinals have in Kyler Murray. That is, that's a huge red flag. Now, part of it might be just because Kyler Murray's hurt. That part doesn't of it, have to yeah. be a knock on Kyler Murray, but there are, there have been whispers for the last two years questioning Kyler Murray, whether it's, you know, can he win big games? Is he a good leader? And it doesn't mean just because there's whispers, those things are true. But if coaches are looking and saying, if I have a choice, I'd rather go coach this quarterback than Kyler, I think some of it, and I don't know where that cutoff is, is coming into play now. Because if Sean Payton comes in here and the Cardinals don't do anything for the next two years and Kyler doesn't get better and he's just not getting it, they're not going to fire Sean Payton. But any of these other guys, Brian Flores, what if Brian Flores comes in and, and he's like, look, if we struggle, am I going to be the fall guy? If you, if you are so tied to Kyler that can't ever be his fault, everybody else is going to have to pay for it. That might turn some of these candidates off. Now, some of these guys are first-year guys. They'll, for the most part, take almost any head coaching job they can get in the NFL. Most would. But I think in the back of their mind is they know it it, it has to be the right fit. And, And I'll go back many years when Mike Holmgren was with the 49ers. And he had a chance to get the Jets job. And there was a lot of things he wasn't comfortable with with the Jets. And he turned it down. And went back to the 49ers. And then, I don't remember if it was a year or two later, whenever it was, that he ends up going to the Packers. And they had Brett Favre. Worked out pretty well. Yeah, worked, worked out pretty well. So it, it's hard to, to, to not take a job. I, I really think Eric Bieniemy and a certain amount of why he hasn't gotten jobs in the last year is that he's saying, well, you know, i got a pretty good situation here. Yeah. And when I become a head coach, I want to have a true chance to really win. And who's my quarterback? I mean, those, 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 those are big questions that these coaches should have. Sometimes it's hard to 
Well, look at Vance Joseph, right? I mean, he got he took his head coaching yeah. job with Denver. No quarterback. Two years, it wasn't. Enti- it certainly wasn't entirely his fault. Probably no. got let go a little bit too early. Now it's a lot harder to get that second job because people look and they're like, "Well, you were a head coach, but you couldn't win." It's like it's a real fine line of I'm getting an NFL head coaching opportunity. I have to take it. But if you take it and you fail, you may not get another one. And that that's what's. That's what's difficult about this if you're a Cardinals fan. Kyler Murray should be a selling point, it not should a deterrent. Be. Right. And that's that's what the last year has done. And the other thing is when I look at some of these guys who are being interviewed by teams to be their new offensive coordinator after moving on. Like Baltimore moves on from Greg Roman, who was a big part of putting in the system for Lamar Jackson. But I see a lot of these guys being interviewed, and they're not former coordinators. Some are quarterbacks coaches. There's one guy I saw being interviewed at a team. He's a t- he was a tight ends coach. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad choice. It doesn't mean it can't work. But those are the type of guys that are potentially going to going to be coordinators. If, if it's a defense, I think that's why sometimes, Luke, not, not sometimes, a lot of times, teams favor hiring offensive guys as head coaches because they have their system they're bringing with them. A defensive coach doesn't. He's got to find his, that offensive coordinator. And who's that going to be? Is he going to you know, have have the right scheme. And I think with Vance Joseph, he might look at, hey, we can keep the scheme we have and just have the coaches we have the coaches that are here and I know people will scream, right? Because well we need uh, we need a new we need something from the outside. But sometimes continuity is the best way to go. Uh text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty, six twenty right now, like this message coming in from the six oh two. Any chance the Cardinals are waiting for after the Super Bowl to interview Eric Bienemy or Steve Spagnolo? Because if I am a Cardinals, I wouldn't mind a coach with a consistently winning records. We'll get into that more throughout the show because the um, I mean at this point you're a week and a half away from the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, doesn't matter, yeah. yeah I mean, if you wait, you're not really that much behind. Not the like you're losing, it's not like somebody's going to go take the Denver job because that already happened. Uh, when we come back, Devin Booker is inching closer to a return. Is that exactly what the Suns need most or are they still missing something? It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back to basketball. NBA trade deadline is one week from today. Suns heading out on the road after a miserable loss to the Atlanta Hawks last night, 132 to 100. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer is in for Wolf today. Um, just talking about this in the newsroom, Howard. To the best of my knowledge, Wolf is not interviewing for the Cardinals head coach. <laughs> this is not an Indianapolis Colts situation. So. You sure? Yeah. You oh, sure? I, I He's mean, not keeping not, a secret? 100%. It'd be kind of funny if he came back tomorrow. He's like, sorry, I'm the coach. You're on your own. <laughs> Um, so for the Suns, now you get uh, you you head out on this road trip. It's going to take you all the way through February 10th. That's through the trade deadline. You got the Celtics of all teams tomorrow, then the Pistons Saturday, Brooklyn Tuesday, and then Atlanta again next Thursday. But that game will be after the trade deadline passes that afternoon. Uh, some good news for Suns fans yesterday, courtesy of Devin Booker after the game. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Round and third. Uh, Pete Rose, where you, whoever's whoever the catcher is, is bad news for them. <laughs> you seen that? You know that to Pete no, Rose. I don't know. Oh, he, he was in the All Star game and he bowled over the catcher going through going around third. Did he? In the All Star game. Okay. Crazy. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> Devin Booker and our own Kellen Olson right there. Look, uh, there was talk last week Book might be back this week. There was a report yesterday that maybe Book comes back on February 7th against Brooklyn, so that would mean just missing uh, tomorrow's game and Saturday's game. Either way, it's close. Howard. Right. Yeah, and that, that's the key, certainly. And you want to be absolutely sure. And when you put them out there again that it's it's absolutely fine and that's a th- that's the thing that's scary with those with those type of injuries whether it's groin whether it's hamstring or whatever you you're just always wondering is the guy really ready to go out there and 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 play on it and so because the worst thing that can happen is a re-injury so a lot of times teams will look at it the players <laughs> they want to play, obviously, but the team will look at it and say, okay, everything looks great, everything looks great now, and let's wait another week or whatever it is, just to be sure. I mean, I'm convinced, Luke, not, I don't want to digress, but I, when Kyler Murray came back from his hamstring injury this past season, I don't think he was really healthy. I really don't think he was, and I had doctors tell me that if your hamstring isn't totally strong, sometimes that can contribute to an ACL injury, yeah. and, and both were in the same leg. So that's the one you just want to be, and, and you can never totally be absolutely sure. You can take all the MRIs and all that, but the player has to have in his mind also that, man, I can just go the way I normally go. And until you can really do that and be confident in it, you just have to, you have to wait and, and be totally sure. Well, and the Suns are in a different you know, position than the Cardinals were with Kyler. The Cardinals saw the season slipping away True. at that point, and it's the NFL. I mean, you can't really miss many games anyway. The Suns, you know, they're going to be a playoff team. If This is a classic example of the situation of, hey, if Devin Booker is ready tomorrow to take on the Celtics, I'm cool bringing him back next Thursday in Atlanta. I really am. I, I, it's, you know, you have a, a much tougher path to winning games without Book, but the Western Conference is so bunched up, and you do have to be careful because there's not a ton of games left, right? But was last night was fifty. There's their fifty third. Fifty third, right? So you got twenty nine games left. I mean, you you do you do want to be in a decent position in the playoffs, and I think you want to play. Ideally, for me, I'd like to play twenty games with my starting five out there, and actually kind of for the first time this season since the first week, see what the actual Suns are going to look like, and let them play together. I don't want to throw that together in early April, right before the playoffs start. And Booker's obviously the biggest piece, but if you got to hold him out another week, or week and a half, or whatever, just to make sure what you just said doesn't happen, I want when Devin Booker comes back. That to be the last time we talk about a Devin Booker injury this season. Bingo. No, 100%. No, no question about it. And I, I think because of what we talked about in the previous segment about how bunched up it is in the West, that you can you, you still have time to really get on a nice run. And it wouldn't take much to jump into the fourth spot. At, at least the way it's looking now. now. That you know, who knows? Maybe a couple other teams start getting hot. You never know. But the way it's shaping up, we know what the Suns are capable of. Like you said, when when they have all their pieces, and so with a, a good number of games back, man, you, you take that. And even if you're not fourth, even if you're fifth, I know you'd like to have that first, you know, first round game be, you know, be a home game or have the home home court advantage, but. With this team, I don't know that it matters all that much. I yeah. mean, they're 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 capable they're capable of winning anywhere. And I think you you have to sort of adjust your expectations as the season goes on. If if you're going to have the injuries they have had this season, for me, like I came into the season like you want to be top two, top three, because I think you're legitimately one of those teams in the Western Conference. I'm at the point now, and I have been for a little while. Just just get in the top six. Now, yeah, ideally top four, get that home court. But to me, there's there's such a difference between. 
Let me just play it out, right? Like where they are right now, they are technically eighth, I believe, based on tiebreakers. So you're first, you'd be in the play-in, and you'd play Golden State in the first game. <laughs> okay, you want to play Golden State in a one no. game? No. So <laughs> if you and if you lost that, you'd probably then play New Orleans in a one and done. You want to play New Orleans in a one and done with the right now? Yeah, New Orleans can't win a game. But if New Orleans is at full strength with the way the Suns have have had issues with them in the past. That's that's where they would be right now. Probably playing Golden State, and if you lose that in the one and done, playing New Orleans for your playoff lives. There's a huge difference between that and just hey, we're the sixth seed, and we got it right now. A best of seven series against Sacramento. Right. Come on, and remember the date. Remember the debate a couple of years ago when when the Suns were on that run, and and the deniers. We're saying, yeah, but look at every, every team they've played is mis- missing one of their best players, which was true. It they, was. They were. They also and, all had but, former MVPs on their roster that were active that true, year, too. True. But the point being is that that happens to NBA teams. There, there's no doubt about it. And if you're healthy coming down the stretch, that's, that, that's the best place to be, and especially entering the postseason. The other thing, too, about you know the next week or so, let's say, if, if Booker doesn't come back. Now, you don't want to just automatically lose the next three or four games because he's not out there. They haven't been doing that. I think they've bought themselves some time here over the last couple of weeks until last night. But these are all the, the next, what is it, the next five games are all against Eastern Conference teams. So again, you don't want to go in five. But if you go two and three or three and two in that stretch and it means Devin Booker is like locked in and healthy when he comes back, at least the losses are only one loss because then after that, starting on February fourteenth, you've got Sacramento, who's the three seed right now, and uh and you've got LA, the Clippers right after that. Like those are the games I need Booker back and healthy for because those are essentially that's the the third seed and the fourth seed. Correct. Those are those are two game games, basically. Right. It's crazy looking at these standings I know. and thinking like how much a three game <laughs> winning streak or a three game losing streak would do for you because you're you're a game and a half behind the Clippers for fourth, and you are two and a half up on the Lakers for thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, that that's and that's going to be a merry go. It's probably going to be a roller coaster for the rest of the season, like you said. Unless unless one, like you were saying, unless one or two teams really gets hot, or one or two teams just starts losing at a crazy pace, but. All signs at this point in the season is probably going to be similar to this, but I don't think there's any doubt. We all agree that the Suns, with all their pieces, are certainly in a good spot to go on a run. And and right now they're kind of in a run, having won six of eight, even with last night's you know terrible loss. If you tell me that every team is just fully healthy, I know it never is this way, but if if, if every team is fully healthy going into the playoffs, the Suns are a legitimate title contender. And I get it, they're not the favorites, because you'd have to factor in Golden State at that point. You'd have to factor in Boston. You'd have to factor in Milwaukee. And you have to give credit to what uh, Memphis and Denver have done this season. But... It's not inconceivable the Suns could win a seven game series against a few of those right. teams if they had to. You just you gotta be healthy and that's the biggest no, thing. No doubt. And I'll tell you, when you think right now and talk shows in all these other cities, they're saying the same thing about yeah, their team. They are. Yeah. And that, that just shows how how tough well, A, how competitive it is, but how tough it is to win those series. I mean sometimes I think think the idea just like with Super Bowls or NBA oh well it's easy to win. Oh yeah, the, the, your team should win. Well just flip it's the switch, tough. right? Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Switch. Exactly. And health health is a tremendous part of it. Even though there's I know there's a lot of injury deniers out there that always will say, well, all teams have injuries, they're just an excuse and all that. No, they're they're a big factor. When we get into this when we get into the Super Bowl matchup, I mean the Chiefs and the Eagles are have been incredibly healthy the entire season. And that's a big reason why they are where they are. And so, you know, we look at the Suns and it, it, 
the, the fortunate thing is it's, it is a long season, and there's so many games, so you do have time to come back from some tough injuries. A sport like the NFL, you don't have time. You get in a bad stretch, lose four in a row or whatever, and a lot of times you're just done. Just ballparking it off the top of my head, looking at the NBA standings, there's probably 10 teams that have a legitimate shot at winning the title if, if they are healthy, and the Suns are one of those 10 teams. Uh, all right, when we come back, ASU landed a big-name quarterback yesterday, so what should the expectations be for ASU and Kenny Dillingham's first year as head coach? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balser's in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right. It is uh, it is amazing how different the vibe is around ASU football now from where it was in October, really where it was in like December. Howard Balzer's in for Wolf today. It's Wolf and Luke. Um, Howard, the now looking back, you, it was like it was even worse than it felt in the moment <laughs> because you have Kenny Dillingham coming in here with all this energy, and so far it's the off season, but so far he's backing up the stuff he's saying, and you know he's he's delivering uh, you know a message that. that it seems like he's going to be able to, um, you know, to at least follow through on for a little bit. We got to see how the actual games play out this year and beyond. But that is shedding such a light on the just apathy, and I don't even know what it was. It was like ASU going into last season; they were like, "Well, you know, we're NCAA investigation. I guess we'll just shut down the program. We don't need to recruit anymore." Like that, it was so miserable. And I just remember going into last season talking with Wolf, like. If you don't care about your own product, you can't expect your fans to care about your product. And I went to all but one home game last year, and I went just in the in the stands, and like people weren't even watching the games; they were just talking the whole time. I don't think that's going to be the case going forward with Kenny Dillingham. I think he'll come up into the crowd and be like, "Hey, stop talking." Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah, no, I think it. it it's, Definitely true. I don't know what the word is. We can probably throw out a lot of words. Apathy is a pretty good one. Lethargy might might, might be another one. And and it it was crazy because in that 2020, the one season where they're playing pretty solid and then they had that horrible loss where they were winning against Utah and it just seemed to collapse after that. And then, of course, like you said, you had the pandemic and and you had the the investigation and then coaches being fired and then last year players leaving in the transfer portal and you're going, oh my goodness, this is just a total mess. And so now at least there appears there looks to be some true direction. You'd still like to get hey, NCAA? I mean, I remember when I filled in for Wolf the last time. Was that sometime in December? And we were talking about the investigation. Well, they hadn't so, even interviewed anybody yet, or everybody yet. But right. I don't. I, but when, when, don't are a, when are you going to make a decision? Yeah, but aside from that, at least there, there's obviously a renewed energy that's there now. And I mean, Dillingham is the epitome. Well, also, of I that. mean, based on U of A's sanctions for basketball, I'm assuming when they finally make their decision, the NCAA in 15 years, it's going to be like a $24 <laughs> fine or something. It could like, be. And maybe that's all it should be at this point. I don't know. Um, the, uh, the the difference, though, because it was, it felt like a sinking ship, and it almost felt like people were telling the players, like, get out of here, it's a sinking ship. That was just months ago. That's all. Right. And then you hire Kenny Dillingham, and you know every new coach that comes in, and ASU fans have seen this, and it's not unique to ASU, when they come in, oh, this, it's going to be different with me, it's going to be so amazing, and this and that. And I, and I get that, and so I, if you want to be skeptical until you see the product on the field, that's fine. I think you have to give it more than like the first few games this season, though. you gotta, you know, you got to give it a, a year or two. But there's 
there's some stuff that Kenny Dillingham is saying that is unique. And so far, everything he has said seems genuine. They get Jaden Rashada yesterday uh, into the mix. That's not the only good recruit or transfer they have gotten. It's just obviously the headliner because he's a quarterback. But um, what they are doing right now at a time when there is some unknown in college football, you know, everybody doesn't, there's not a blueprint. This is how you navigate the NILs. This is how you navigate the transfer portal. If if he's going to be, if he's going to be inventive with how he does stuff, um, there's a chance here for ASU to really, there's a good chance they found something really special with him. No, very well could be. And you wonder, Luke, behind the scenes, what is he doing and with others helping him, of course, with that whole NIL navigation and drumming up that local support that would encourage players, not just encourage, but hey, let's be honest, pay them uh, to come here. And so you have to believe that there's certainly a lot more going on with that than there had been. So there, there just seems now to be a true direction. And that's, that's so important. And it starts at the top. Obviously, I think you raised a good point about the investigation. We're saying, well, m- maybe that's all they should get at this point. I mean, you can make the case that even by not being on probation or whatever would have been slapped on them, they've paid the price for whatever they did with. And then is anybody still here from that? No, pretty it, much. It, it, uh, I mean, except for the AD, the, the fans. It's just the fans that suffer. But it, it yeah. felt like ASU did, and U of A. I would, I'm sure, would say the same thing with their basketball program. They self-imposed so much, and that was in that was right. in the write-up. For and it's not the exact same thing. I get that, but I'm just using it as, as a localish example. But it, it felt like ASU was like, "Hey, you're going to be grounded for a week." And ASU just was a kid that locked themselves in the room for a year. Like it felt like they did more damage to themselves because they were going to be investigated. Which I still don't even know if it's happened yet than the actual investigation. I just, I like turning the corner now and being like, whenever the investigation comes down, it comes down. Let's like actually right. start moving forward. Exactly. And uh, that's what they're, and that's what they're doing, it seems. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it, it's going to get, hopefully it's just going to get, like you said, get people to care again. So that's, that's a big thing for uh, Kenny Dillingham. And we've had him on this show before. He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. He couldn't talk about Jaden Rashada specifically yet, but he had some interesting stuff to say. And <laughs> so far I'd say he's batting about a thousand on having interesting stuff to say. Well, I think, you know, when you make promises to somebody in recruiting, uh, you're hurting them. And it doesn't, either, it doesn't matter if you come true to those promises or you don't come true to those promises. If I promise a kid that he's going to come in here and start and he's going to come in here with an expectation he's going to start and human nature is going to let him become complacent for 99% of America. So if I promise you you're going to play and, and by nature, by me doing that, you become complacent, I'm hurting you. If I promise you you're going to play and you get here and you don't play as a true freshman, how are you going to trust me as a coach? So either way, when coaches make promises in this deal, it hurts the player. And if coaches make promises to try to sign a kid, then that's fine. That's how they can operate. But I'm going to operate saying that if you come here, you're going to work harder than anybody in the country. If you come here, I can guarantee you that you're going to compete. And I can guarantee you that I'm going to do everything I can to make you successful in life. And I'm not going to make promises that I can't come come through with. I hope he's able to stick to that. Mm-hmm. You know, even even when things are, are tough, I heard Bickley and Murata talking this morning. And it was Bickley. It was like, yeah, you know, it's great to have this message. Um, but, you know, what happens when when you struggle and you get more desperate? Because that's going to happen unless you're Nick Saban in, in Alabama. Um, but he just 
he seems, and I remember having this conversation with Wolf back in October of when they when they hire a coach, they need to get a guy in here that wants to be at ASU that brings in kids in this in this new environment that you're in that they come here because they want to be at ASU. It doesn't mean nobody's ever going to transfer, but it can't be like, hey, you were getting this NIL for four hundred thousand right. dollars. It can't be only that. Yeah, right. and we're going to give you four hundred ten, and then you get good, and somebody else offers you two million. Like there has to be <laughs> there has to be something about the culture you build that draws kids here. So any tiebreaker goes to staying at ASU or coming to ASU. And it feels like so far he's doing that with yeah. some big names, too. No no question. And then when you start having some success, then it just builds on itself. Not, not And not only on the field, but the whole NIL deal. Because now there's more people jumping on the bandwagon to make sure, hey, we've got to make sure to keep some of these guys. But why would someone want to leave and granted, like you said, if someone throws ridiculous dollars at him, that's one thing. But why would anyone want to leave if you have a really good situation? Yeah. And that's that's what they're getting towards. But but again, you always have to be patient. I know I know we're not a patient world uh, right now with a lot of things. And it's not necessarily going to happen right yeah, away. You don't say. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but... You know, it, it, it certainly like like we've been saying. It certainly it certainly appears that they're on the on the right path. And what he was saying there too of you you can't he can't just go out and promise every kid they're going to start. Right. Could, look at the quarterback room. And you got you got Drew Pine coming in. You got Jacob Conover. You already have Trenton Borgain. Now you bring in Jaden Rashada. Pretty sure you can only start one quarterback. Last time I checked. So if you were promising all of them they were going to start, three of them are going to be like, I hate this guy. He promised yeah. me I was going to start, and then that that bad word of mouth is getting around. So if you're able to do this stuff while sticking to those ideals of, hey, yeah, I got Jaden Rashada in here, and I didn't promise him he's going to start. Now, we all think he's probably going to. What was it? Uh, Chris Cartman had this, the, he's the highest ranked high school commitment by a new ASU coach, uh, Jaden Rashada is, and some of the other ones that see Herm was uh, Merlin Robertson, who was good. Todd Graham was DJ Foster. Dennis Erickson was Omar Bolden. Uh, Dirk Cutter was Lamar Baker. Those guys were all in the hundreds, you know, low hundreds. But I mean, good. Then uh, and Rashada's eighty-two overall on the on the twenty-four-seven sports composite rankings. He was thirty-one on ESPN's top three hundred. If you're able to bring in guys like that without selling out how you want to do things, that is that's huge. Yeah, and and I th- sometimes I you look at these numbers and you say, come on. I mean, it's just how do you, how do you really know? It's just where, you got to put them in the range where, right? the, where yeah. the rankings are. But the eye test shows that hey, this guy's got potential. He he's a good player, and you hope that he fits in everything that you're going to be doing, and then that he shows that progress. Because the reality is, I mean, yeah, even even if, if you promise or don't promise. After two years, three years, whatever it is, of a couple quarterbacks you recruited aren't playing, they're going to be looking for somewhere else yeah. to go. That's just reality. But having having said that, but they don't have to hate you as they're exactly. Leaving. No, that's good. Right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's you know just get the best players you can and mold a team because we have this quarterback conversation all the time. Obviously, you have to have one. But all I remember is a couple seasons ago. Luke and Stetson Bennett, everybody was ready to throw away, and and everyone in Georgia didn't even want a, any part of him. And then we saw what what he was able to do. He ended up being decent, yeah, 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 just a bit in these last two seasons. So so much is the quarterback's important, obviously, but it's also 
critical what you put around him, on, not only on, and on offense and on defense. I mean, you have, to, you have to be a complete team to be able to compete, and that's, that's true on any level. All right, we come back. The Cardinals head coaching search continues, believe it or not. So with Sean Payton out, is there any other names we should be adding to this list? We're going to ask 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander in the lowdown. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.